Welcome to Canadian Defence Focus from CDR Radio, produced by Canadian Defence Review Magazine. This series of podcasts features interviews with leaders and experts in the defence industry, as well as reports and profiles on the very latest in defence technology. Hey everybody, welcome to CDR Radio. My name is Jody Atariwala, and I am the aviation editor and senior staff writer for the magazine. And I am very proud to welcome today as our guest, the founder and editor-in-chief of Canadian Defence Review, and that is Peter Kitchen. I've had the privilege to work with Peter for over 20 years now. I can't believe it's been that long, but uh, time flies. And it's been a wonderful experience. I, I feel very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to work for this publication, which is the leading aerospace and defense magazine in Canada. And so that's all thanks to to my guest today, to Peter Kitchen for having faith in me and, uh, and I guess perhaps seeing some talent somewhere there. Peter, it's your podcast, but welcome to CDR Radio. Jody, uh, you know, what it's all about is we're, as you know, we're celebrating. Well, what we're really doing was we're just about to embark in our uh, February issue of uh, 2024. Uh, we'll be starting our volume 30 of the magazine. So we're embarking on volume 30 of the magazine and in the process celebrating the uh 30th anniversary. So it's it's really important. And as you point out, uh, you know, you've been with us a long time, over the 20 years. And it, I, you know, not only, you know, have you done a, a, a great job for us and covered, you know, traveled the world and uh, covered a lot of different issues, and including military and uh, industry. You know, it's, it's just really been an incredible journey. And to maybe anticipate your uh, your question, how did it all start? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask exactly. How, how did you start CDR? Well, you know, originally before I started the magazine, I was I was working in the uh, back in the eighties, the late eighties. I'd I'd worked for a magazine called uh, CDQ, Canadian Defense Quarterly. And uh, it was kind of a sleepy academic journal that uh, sort of uh, they ended up having sort of a relationship with the uh, DND. And uh, anyway, I, 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 it, it, it really did nothing. It wasn't commercial in any way. I, I ended up helping to take it from being a, sort of a stuffy academic journal to the position of. Canada's leading defense publication. Canada really didn't have any kind of a, there was no James or Defense News or Armada or any of those kind of publications that were had a Canadian focus at that time. So anyway, so through, and then by the way, through the success of what, of, of CDQ at that time, which was known as, we even developed what became a very lucrative trade show, which was called Armex. Some of the old timers in the industry will remember that and all the controversy around that. There was a, it, it was, it turned out to be very successful and very lucrative, but there ended up being a, a bit of a scandal around some 
illicit funding of the magazine. And anyway, ultimately, make a long story short, the uh, the magazine ended up uh, ultimately folding. And uh, together with that, Armex also went out of business. And that was mainly because of political issues. There's a lot of controversy around the show, defense show that was put on in Ottawa. So anyway, because I, I really love the defense industry and I love the people in it, and I, I always had a vision for what I what Canada really needed from a defense publication. And uh, at that point, I decided to start my own uh, my own magazine for the defense industry in Canada. At the time, I was also publishing an IT trade magazine, but but I looked around and I saw that the CDA Institute uh, at that time had a military-focused magazine, uh, which was called Forum. It kind of published sporadically. It was having problems. Anyway, what ended up happening, We I ended up having an agreement with the uh, those folks to publish it for them, CDA Institute. And uh, the deal was that they they would have editorial input and approval. Right away, we were very successful, and we, uh, we started publishing the magazine on a regular basis. CDAI was really pleased. They no longer had to sort of subsidize it. It was uh, making money. It was publishing on a regular basis, getting the message out. Uh, so it worked well. But the problem was that uh, CDAI had I, uh, we had, but we had very different visions on what the focus of the magazine should be. So uh, to make a long story short, by a mutual agreement, we ended up folding Forum, which was the CDAI magazine. And at that point, that's that's when I um, started CDR, Canadian Defense Review. I love it. It's it's so interesting to hear the landscape at the time, and I love your entrepreneurship as well, uh, Peter. I think it's uh, it's commendable to you to kind of um, a have that interest, but also see see potential in a new avenue. So, what did you want CDR to be back then? Yeah, and you're right. It was uh, Jody. It was entrepreneurship, and 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 but more than anything, I I I had I always had, and I I don't know what it was, but I had a I really enjoyed working in the military and the defense industry. I I really enjoyed the people. Uh, I, I enjoyed the history of the military, and to this day, I really appreciate uh, everything they do. The bottom line was that I had a vision for it, and I had a passion, as 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 I know do you, from working with you all these years. It, it's about having a passion for what you do. Absolutely. So I knew I didn't what I didn't want. I didn't want CDR to be an academic sort of a journal, like CDQ was, and I didn't want it to be sort of just a mouthpiece for an association which is what forum was I wanted what I really wanted at CDR to be it was a provider of defense information intelligence informative articles and so forth uh essentially a communications bridge 
between Canada's defense industry and the Canadian Armed Forces. There was really nothing like it at that time, uh, back in the day. And uh, what I saw was I saw that Canada really needed some kind of forum where the military could tell their story. And by that, I mean, what we ended up doing was feature interviews with commanders of all branches, all, all services, Army, Navy, Air Force, as well as ministers of national and CDS, all of that. Uh, and to this day, we still do that. So that way the military could tell their story. And at the same time, uh, I wanted to inform the military about what was going on in industry. So industry could tell their story and they could come together and uh, everybody would be better served. And that, that was the idea to really be a communications bridge. And, you know, I think that's what, what we really needed at that time. So at that point, I was able to implement my vision for what a defense publication serving the Canadian market should be. You know, to be honest, while it was slow uh, getting it going, I I was really confident uh, we were on the right track and I uh, I was determined to keep at it. Yeah, right on. You know, um, simple concept and but clearly uh, a winning strategy. Uh, so back then in 1994, Canada's defense landscape must have been very, very different from what it is today. Yeah, you're right. It really, it really was. Uh, things have really changed. Uh, we could go on for a long time uh, going over all the changes, but certainly compared to today, it was the defense landscape was pretty quiet. Remember, this was all uh, pre-Afghanistan, where where the Canadian forces ended up being forced, you know, to bulk up. And the government, the government of the day, needed to expedite the supply of military equipment for that uh, conflict. I think back then the big program of the day was nuclear submarines. And, uh, that's the Mulroney government back then was was uh, had a serious interest in that. We've kind of come full circle where we're starting to take a look at submarines again now. But back then. Um, what ended up happening? I think there was a change of government, and of course, uh, everyone had sticker shock when they realized how much a nuclear submarine would would cost. But uh, so, you know, uh, that was sort of the main thing back then on the defense landscape. And aside from that, it was fairly quiet. There were some things going on, some aviation programs in the works, but uh, so. We thought it was important that the military be not forgotten, and that's why we continued to grind it out and write about whatever you know the issues were. And um, so, as far as submarines goes, uh, hopefully, uh, when we're looking at them this time round, uh, hopefully we do things a little better. Unfortunately, the uh, Victoria class subs never really quite served Canada well. They didn't go the nuclear route. And all these years later now, uh, Victoria class subs are going to be need to be replaced. So we'll, we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, exciting times in in that area for sure. Um, I'm excited as you are to kind of see how that uh, that discussion pans out, and certainly uh, we at CDR are going to be covering that in, in depth as much as we can. One hundred percent for sure. Yeah. So I'm very very keen because obviously I wasn't there at the time, but can you tell me and and tell the listeners about um, that first issue of uh, Canadian Defense Review? Yes, I remember it. I remember it very well. <laughs> it, like I said, it was it was pretty lean at the beginning. I I, I mean, I knew what we what I wanted to do, but uh, yeah, I remember that it, it very well. The first issue was a rather slim volume, <laughs> to say the least. It was pretty modest uh, back then. Everything was different back then, but it was a mostly black and white issue because color cost a lot more to to print. Uh, so it was mostly black and white. Uh, I think it was 30-something, 30 36 pages. We featured a CH-146 Griffin, Canadian Armed Forces helicopter, Bell, Bell helicopter on the cover. And it was a nice shot. We, we liked it. Back then and, and still to this day, it was always my philosophy that wherever possible, we featured Canadian Canadian-made product on the cover. Uh, and promote Canadian industry. And, uh, of course, the uh, CH-146 was built and uh, and uh, serviced and so forth at Bell's Mirab- Mirabel Quebec plant. That issue was not, it was, as I said, it was uh, not a full-color issue because of budgetary reasons. Uh, every color form cost extra, and we needed to economize. To be honest, somehow... Yeah, this is how lean we were back then. We only had two paid ads, and uh, in that issue, and thank goodness for Lockheed Martin because they, I believe, took the back cover of that issue. That time they were promoting the C-130J aircraft, uh, uh, which Canada was looking at buying at that time. The interesting thing, the other um, one of the two ads we had was from a firearm manufacturer called Timaco. And that company, I believe, is, as far as I know, no longer around. But they were, I think Canada ended up buying the, um, I think it ended up becoming the C7. But anyway, because we're a very lean operation at that time, we uh, we didn't lose money on that issue, even though we only had the two ads. And um, still to this day, of course, we've never lost money on any issue. It was onward and up upward from there, fortunately. By the way, uh, at that time, the CDR logo was very different. It was Canadian Defense Review was kind of spelled out. Uh, We spelled out the entire name at that time. Uh, But now, the logo now, we're proud to say the acronym that CDR is kind of in Canada synonymous with defense reportage, and uh, it's very well recognized. So, we're proud to say that uh, CDR is synonymous with uh, defense and defense reporting in Canada. And uh, come to think of it, a number of the companies that we wrote about back then are uh, are no longer in business. But uh, glad to say that CDR is still standing. I'm smiling as you share that because some of my first business cards representing Canadian Defence Review as a journalist have the old logo where Canadian Defence Review is spelt out. And uh, 
so I'm smiling to myself because I know exactly I can visualize it. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that I have articles in issues with that old logo. And uh, but it's kind of it's kind of cool to see how things have evolved. Yes, that's right. We did go through a few iterations for that's yeah. that's for sure of uh, iterations of the logo and uh, but that's what you do, you know, you uh things evolve and uh and and uh we can continue to evolve to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you say, uh, the industry also evolves. You know, there's companies that don't exist anymore. There's been mergers and acquisitions. Um, you know, we've covered it all in CDR over the years and uh yeah, it's been an awesome journey and um, certainly looking forward, hopefully, to the next 30 plus years. But, you know, speaking about when you started there, you, you know, what have been some of the biggest defense issues that you have seen and that you think about over the past 30 years? Yeah, that's that's really a big question, Jody. Uh, uh, there's been so much, but... Uh... You know, over the course of all these years, there the of course there was the, there was the aforementioned as we talked about Afghanistan war, and uh, in some ways it kind of marked in in a, in a funny way a high point for Canada's military because I think the government uh, at that time was certainly making the supply of Canada's military a priority, and for the first time in in decades, I think the general public really embraced and respected what Canada's military was doing. Our troops were honored and cheered at sporting events. I mean, the military was really well supported because, uh, you know, our troops were over there. Unfortunately, they were even uh, dying over there. So it was a different kind of landscape. On the other side, as far as what's going on, on the other side of the coin over the you know, these last 30 years, there were there were uh, what ended up coming at the allegations uh, of uh, sexual impropriety in the military, some at very high levels. And, of course, all that gave the military a black eye. As a matter of fact, in that very first issue, I remember one of the things we wrote about was the disbanding of the Airborne Regiment. And that was a, that was a sad event, uh, but that was... Obviously, for for cause because of uh, misbehavior, shall we say? <laughs> and so there were negative stories to report on, as well as the uh, the positive stuff. Sadly, and this is brings us sort of full circle, or well, not full circle, but it's, it's almost things have almost turned around from where we were at with the Afghanistan war. Unfortunately, I feel like today the general public seems to give very little thought to how Canada's military is serving our country. And uh, I think that really needs to change because this country has a very long and very proud military history. Maybe if that can be fixed, more young people will want to serve and the CAF, Canadian Armed Forces, can address the what I think is right now a severe shortage of military personnel. You know, Jody, just think about it. Canada, as you know, you've reported a lot on on uh, fighter aircraft. Canada recently said it, it will make of a multi-billion dollar purchase of the F-35 fighter jet. But, you know, as it stands now, there may not be anywhere near enough qualified pilots to uh, fly them all. 
And then the other issue, by the way, Canada's defense spending, and this is another issue as a result, as a percentage of GDP is, it's it's always been an issue, certainly in NATO, among the other NATO countries. And and uh, it doesn't seem like it will attain the 2% call anytime soon, certainly not under the Trudeau uh, regime. So uh, stay tuned for developments on that front. Then there were all the issues around uh, defense procurement. That, that, that that's a, has always been an issue. Let's let's be honest. Over the years, we've seen some major major blunders, and unfortunately, this seems to be a hallmark of Canada's military procurement system. Not only are the wrong decisions often made, but the procurements themselves invariably take far far too long. Uh, often. By the time a procurement is effectuated, it's um, almost obsolete, and, and you know, so it, it, it takes far too long. For example, the C the CH one forty eight cyclone is, I guess that's that's the poster child for this. It's it's an obvious example of a misguided procurement that was supposed to be a, an off the shelf purchase, but it, it was anything but. They, they, it ended up needing a lot of development work. It took far too long to implement. Procurement is something that we've noticed over all these years. It's, it's something that definitely needs to be fixed. And uh, certainly, by the way, we could start with the current CSC program, the Canadian Service Combatant, which is, as we speak, ballooning out of control cost-wise. I believe it's expected to cost Canadian taxpayers Third more than comparable ships on offer. We we know, we know this. So this is something CDR has been has reported on many times. I mean, to be honest, I could go on, but we only we only have so much time here. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's so true. And as you were sharing that, Peter, it, it just made me think that sometimes past is prologue, right? Um, when you think about the the misconduct, as you referenced, for the um, Airborne Brigade here, now the Canadian Armed Forces is facing another reckoning. And procurements, oh, where do we start with that? Um, there's been, <laughs> it's just, it is, you and I have had many a conversation over the years, and it seems like you're absolutely right. It never seems to change. Everybody seems to recognize the problems that are out there, um, but I don't know if there's any motivation to change it. I, I think people have good intentions, but that's all they are. Good intentions never really seems to get anywhere. And that is sad because I agree with you. You know, you mentioned about the personnel shortages in the Canadian Armed Forces. And, you know, if some of these things were fixed and if there was more of that pride in the Canadian military, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but as a society, Canadian society, I don't think people really think about the military until there's a reason to think about the military. That's a very good point. Uh, yeah, I mean, they think about it when they need them, whether right. it's, even, even if it's for humanitarian purposes, but or, or if it's peacekeeping, or if it's, as, you know, a serious conflict, uh, uh, like Afghanistan and so forth. That's when people think of it. Unfortunately, they, you know, for example, if you if you go to the United States 
I mean, all you got to do is drive down any street, and people have got their 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 flags out, and they've got their um, you know tributes to the military and various you know various um, uh, aspects of the military, whether it's the uh, army, navy, whatever. I'd like to see more of that in Canada. Yeah, people should know what their military is doing for them. You should know about the sacrifices that the military is making now and has made in the past. Uh, our, our young people in school should be taught about the history of uh, what the military has done in the past, going all the way back to, you know, the various wars, World War One and Two, and so forth. So I think if we can change the mindset, I mean, this is all the sort of as a backdrop, but procurement comes down to how we equip the military that we have. But I think, uh, it, it, you know, the, the foundation for that all starts with a respect and appreciation for our military and the general public. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more, Peter. Um, you know, as you're sharing that, I can't help but think from my own personal memory, uh, growing up studying here, I remember reading more about the fur trade than I ever did about Canada and wars, you know, and that's nothing, I'm not saying anything to disparage, you know, Canada's foundational roots of the country and, and, you know, things that made it grow. But um, I believe, I think as you do, that, um, that people should appreciate, learn, understand, and appreciate the sacrifices that Canadians uh, have made in blood and treasure all over the world. And um, yeah, so I think we're on well, the that, same Well, that tells you something, and that's what we're trying to do in the magazine is to uh, write about all these issues and write about, you know, and, 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 and you've helped us do that, whether it's going over to uh, places like, uh, you know, Italy, Latvia, where, wherever, where the military are doing their thing and talk to the people that are on the ground there, uh, the military folks, about what they're trying to do and the important job they're doing for Canada. I and mean, that's part of what we we take pride in doing, you know, writing about what what the military are doing on behalf of Canadians and about how would they uh, need to be supported by by industry. That's part of what we do. Yeah. And, you know, credit where credit is due, uh, Peter, um, under your leadership, you have placed your faith in me to send me around the world and to cover these stories and um, I don't see any other Canadian publications doing that. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and, and that's always been part of the vision and what we tried to do. And, we, and you know, by the way, we've always realized that, uh, you know, defense and aerospace, which is what we do, we've always realized that it's, uh, it's a global business. And uh, from the very beginning, uh, we made the effort to... Uh, Travel to all the, for example, all the big uh, shows, trade shows like uh, the Paris Air Show, Farm Bro. You you've been to them all, AUSA, ITSEC for for training and simulation. Canada's a big player on that one. So we we go to all those, and and the idea is to go there and bring the story back to our readers from a Canadian perspective. Um, that's part of what we we try to do. We. We've made a big investment in that. We, we, you know, even when we didn't have a big travel budgets or anything, we uh, made an effort to do that. So, um, you know, if industry groups like CADSE 
could be there uh, at, at a lot of these events, so should CDR be there to report on the proceedings. So from the beginning, we've had some uh, uh, great writers and contributors, such, such as yourself, of course. They've brought their passion for this industry to the magazine. Folks on the industry side, uh, defense industry, they, they always appreciated our openness to letting them tell their story about, you know, whether it was traveling to, um, for example, Fort Worth, Texas to see the F-35 production line or, or maybe even going to uh, Sweden, uh, as you did, to uh, talk to Saab about how the uh, Gripen fighter uh, may be a solution for Canada's fighter requirements. So that, that's all the kind of stuff that we you know, that we, uh, that we've done over the years. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's been a privilege to cover those stories and, and, uh, yeah, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey thus far. So how has magazine publishing changed over the past 30 years, Peter? Yeah. Let me see. Where do I begin with that? That, that, that is, <laughs> it, well, it, it will probably bore our readers because I could go into a lot of, a lot of details on the publishing side, but we're really talking about defense here. But I'll tell you something, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's really the, the technology is, is, I mean, it's been a, an industrial scale revolution in, in uh, publishing since back when we started. When we started, everything was uh, based on film. Uh, now everything's digital. Uh, for example, ads, uh, they had to be sent, uh, sent to us as physically as Four color separations. Everything was very cumbersome. Uh, certainly compared to how we do it now, there was no sort of in the early days even editing and you know word processing was completely different. Um, we we take it for granted now, but back then our writers and editors they didn't have the capability we have now to share and edit documents and all that stuff. Everything was took much longer and it was much more cumbersome. So it was it took a long time to put a publication out. Uh, looking back, to be honest, I don't know how we did it with that that technology to compare it to what we have now. So thank heavens for the graphical user interface. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was it was it, things have really changed. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to say it's things are a lot smoother now with all the technology we have. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. You know, so tell us about the move to like digital and how that's changing how CDR delivers like defense information to to its readers and subscribers. Yeah, that's that's a big deal, uh, Jody. Uh, it really is. Um, that's what it's all about right now, and that's where everything is going. Uh, like we can reach more people faster uh, with much more information than we ever could. You know. I guess uh, this is the digital age, and uh, and I, I and if you don't, I mean, if you don't grow and you don't change, and that's what we've always been part of our mantra was to always uh, innovate and lead the way, and in, in, in terms of uh, features in the magazine and how we produce and how we distribute and everything. Lately, we've been more more involved in in social media, for example. In fact. We recently uh, hired someone whose sole job it is to make sure everything we do in the magazine and online gets out there in social media. That's, that's an important important thing right now. 
Uh, we make uh, every issue of CDR available online to our subscribers so they can access uh, breaking defense news stories anywhere, anytime. And that's important because information is uh, is power. And if you have information, let's say, on uh, something that's going on in the defense industry or military or whatever, you're going to have an advantage. For example, now you can read uh, feature and cover stories from the magazine all online, whatever you want, as a subscriber. You know, it's funny, actually, thinking back, it's funny. Back in the day, I remember there was a guy called Michael Ryan. He happened to be a former McLean Hunter colleague of mine. We worked there at the same time. Uh, he ended up starting to publish something that he called the Wednesday Report. And at the time, it was sort of the hot defense insider news item of the day. And people would pay hundreds of dollars. They would pay a lot of money for this thing to be delivered to them uh, on a weekly basis, presumably on a Wednesday. That's why it was called that. Anyway, but it was a printed newsletter that was delivered by, uh, I think, I don't know if it was mail or couriered, but it was once a week. Anyway, it was hefty subscription price. So but the point is now... We do all that and more in our magazine. We deliver all the hot news online. You could, you know, we deliver it via email newsletters or via social media or via the digital edition of our magazine, complete with all the in-depth features that we do, and they are in-depth. So we do all that. People get all that defense intelligence and more through, for example, CDR Newsline on our website, and uh, with a lot more immediacy, uh, even more than back in the day when the Wednesday report was around. One of the problems that I see in defense as it pertains to Canada is that it is used as a political... Football. Yeah, political meatball, exactly. And instead of everyone being, you know, coming to a consensus, you know, having a, having a good debate and coming to a consensus of this is what we need for the safety and security of Canada and how we want to be seen abroad on an international perspective. Instead of doing that, one party uses the other party's procurement as a political maneuvering point. And so if one party wants to do something, the other party is like, nope, you know, we've got another idea. And, and as a result... I think that's part of the impasse. Nothing really gets done and things just get prolonged and belabored. And and then, like you said earlier, you end up with a product that's out of date, you know, when you when it comes online. We can only hope that things will change. We we live in we live in hope. That's it, it, kind of it's I over the years that seems to be the uh the motto. We live in hope when it comes to things improving in defense in Canada. Yeah, indeed, indeed, that is for sure. We live in hope. Um, it's a it's a perfect you know segue to to ask you about you know the fact that CDR has been covering defense in Canada for a long, long time. What is your view on the state of the Canadian Armed Forces and also the Canada's aerospace and defense industry? Well, for example, CADSE. I'll mention CADSE because that's our industry group, and uh, they were. Back when we started CDR, 
Cadsy was not around. We, we've been around longer than Cadsy, so there you go. But it was not around back then, and, and there were there were some other defense industry groups that you know tried to get established. They 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 were less than effective. AIAC, which is of course still around, AIC was one of the, the groups that spoke about defense. But back then, it was they were more focused on the commercial side rather than. Uh, the defense side. But so now CADC, which sort of started slowly, but in my opinion, has really blossomed under the leadership of Kristen Sianfarani, who uh, uh, has a military background and really understands what is required. I think it's really blossomed under her leadership. Currently, um, CDR is very pleased to be working with uh, CADC as producers of the Kansak uh, Show Guide, the Kansak uh, Annual Kansak Event Show in Ottawa. By the way, because of some excellent management, we uh, we don't think Kansak will be going the way of the uh, the aforementioned RMX show that I talked about before. Um, we don't think it'll be fading away anytime soon. Sanfarani, uh, I think, was. I think, by the way, she was especially effective during COVID, where she really shepherded Cadsey through uh, those troubled years, those where they weren't able to produce the show for for two years in a row. That that was really well. It really had to be tough financially keep the keep the organization going. So that that was really tough. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I echo your sentiments with her leadership and uh, or about her leadership. And yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, evolve in, in the industry. So, Peter, what is the future for Canadian Defence Review or you know CDR as it's now known? Jody, I think uh, I think we want to continue to do what we've always done: be an innovator, be uh, you know, implement our vision. And we do have a vision, and always be improving, always be uh, mindful of. Canadian military and what what its requirements are, always be focused on uh, Canadian industry, especially and, and how it will uh, support the Canadian military and support Canadian economy. So we hope to be a leader in uh, in the defense industry in Canada, and uh, as I said, innovate. And uh, by the way, with the new, uh, what's now a new generation of kitchens. My sons, Brett and Daniel, uh, leading the way. Uh, we hope we'll we will be uh, increasingly, more than likely, focused on the digital world. That's the future. Uh, I'm convinced of that. You know, my philosophy from the very beginning, as I think I've said, it was to always hire great people, have a great team around you, uh, treat them well, keep them as busy as possible. That's important. I know you were always really busy, uh, Jody. You, as our longest-serving team member now, you you're you're a great example of that. So, what I'm trying to say is that all the success we've achieved over these what's now 30 years is as a result of uh, a great uh, what what's really been a great team effort. So, uh, certainly, I'd like to uh, hereby thank take this opportunity to thank our entire team of uh, 
writers, editors, designers, don't forget the designers and people that make the magazine look good, administrative staff. I need to thank our entire team because it was a team effort over the years. So, uh, Jody, all I can say is uh, now on to the next 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. On to the next 30. And uh, and thank you, Peter. Uh, uh, you know, on, uh, I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm certain they would echo my sentiments to say thank you. Thank you for uh, your leadership and, and for being who you are, you know, the founder of CDR and, uh, and the current editor in chief. It's a, it's a great pleasure to work with you. And, uh, I think we've done some great work and I'm looking forward to, to the next 30, as you say, you know, we've, we've accomplished a lot and we've done a lot over the years. Anyway, great to talk to you now, uh, you know, for the, for the pod here. And, uh, just, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, what's in the future as well. Me as well. Thank you. Uh, that, everyone, is Peter Kitchen, the founder and editor-in-chief of Canadian Defence Review. We hope you'll join us for another episode of CDR Radio. Thanks, everyone. Tune in next time for another Canadian Defence-focused podcast from CDR Radio. CDR Radio.